to Romans 8. Let's drop down uh, verses 28 through 31 for today. Romans 8, 28 through 31, and I'll be reading from the New King James Version. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to His purpose. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he predestined, these he also called. Whom he called, these he also justified, and whom he justified, these he also glorified. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Let's pray once again. Heavenly Father, as we come to your word, as has already been said, Lord, we know that it is only you who can illuminate your word. It is only you that can make your word real and true within a heart, within a mind. And so, Father, I pray that you would do that this morning for all of us, Lord. Just for, for the born-again child of God that's here, let it, let it strengthen us all the more. Uh, let, let it awaken us all the more to who you are and to what you have done on our behalf. And, Father, should there be someone who is yet still in darkness, that they're yet dead in their trespasses and sins, spiritually dead. Lord, we know it is only you who can perform that miracle of regeneration, that miracle of new birth in Christ. So, Father, be merciful today, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, it's been probably five weeks, five, six weeks since we uh, were in Romans 8, and we're going to, again, focus on that verse 28, which really is what has one of the greatest promises in the Word of God for the children of God. So if we could just put verse 28 up just by itself. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to His purpose. A statement of certainty from the Apostle Paul. And he's going to work out this, this certainty in the remainder of this chapter and as he goes forth in this letter to the Romans. And we know. Well, what is it that the child of God should know? Well, we should know that all things work together for good to those who love God. And if if we could uh, put the NESB up for that verse 28, if you would. Just a little different wording. And we know that God causes all things to work together for good. And now we know it's God, and, and it makes it very clear in the NASB. So we know it is God who is working all things together for good. And we talked about this weeks ago, but let me ask again. What things? All things. Just good things? 
No, all things. You mean even the bad things that may come into my life and happen in my life? Yes. All things he will work together for good. Paul is not saying that everything is good, but he is saying that God will work all things together for good. Do you see the difference in that statement? Because the child of God is not exempt from trials, tribulations, persecutions, sicknesses, all manner of things. We're not exempt, are we, while yet on this earth? And we know that God has a purpose. We're going through the book of James on Wednesday night, and we know God has a purpose in every trial that we face. God is working. And we may not see it at the moment, but in everything that crosses our path, He will work it together for good. We have a promise from God. So should we despair when situations of life come that we would prefer not to be there no we shouldn't despair doesn't mean we're going to like them but we can have a steadfast assurance in the midst of those things amen because we know God is in control and we know that he will work all things together for good and and again I, I did this before but let's do it again this morning clarify the promise God causes all things to work together for good to who and I ask the question to everybody on the face of the planet, no, no. To who? To those who love God. And, and I think the, the last sermon that we preached was about that, those who love God and who that is. So this promise is not for everyone, but rather for those who love God. In other words, this is for the born-again believer. It is only them who love God. Does the world love God? No, no. Uh, those who are lost, dead in trespasses and sins, unbelievers are enemies of God. They're hostile toward God and do not love Him. Now, that, let's put uh, the uh, New King James Version of that, verse 28, back up. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God to those who are the called according to his purpose. Now, go ahead and switch back to that other, the NASB, and, and, and look at a little bit of difference there. To those who are not the called, but called. And, and in the midst of this, some translations leave out the article, the. Uh, New King James Version, King James Version has it there. Uh, I looked, ESV, NASB, which is this. Uh, say those who are called and so and I know when I bring stuff like this up some of you are saying well what's the big deal what's the difference here well let me tell you this I prefer the the being in there why why but, but because Paul is referring to a particular people in this the I'm not I was never good in English but the is a definite article. It's, it's a specific article referring to a specific definitive group of people. That's what Paul is doing here. Those to whom God is working all things together for good and love God. The called. 
So that's why I, I like to have it in there. It, it's, it is the born again who are the called according to his purposes, to God's purposes. And so then let's ask the question, well, what is God's purpose? What is his purpose? It's called according to his purpose. What is God's purpose? God's purpose is to save those who he foreknew and has predestined. I didn't expect to get a lot of amens there, but there's, there's truth there, isn't it? God's purpose is to save those who he foreknew and has predestined. And I'm going to tell you right now, we're not going to cover in depth everything this morning. We're going to get a flyover, so to speak, okay? Because there's so much here, so much here. So God's purpose is to save those who he foreknew and is predestined to justify and glorify those whom are the called, those he has called. So this is God's purpose. And we have the same phrasing when... (laughs) When we get to chapter 9, we're going to see this same phrasing, and and most of you know this, and, and we'll just go ahead and read it this morning. It's in Romans 9, verses 10 through 13. And not only this, but when Rebekah also had conceived by one man, even by our father Isaac, for the children not yet being born, nor having done any good or evil, that the purpose of God according to election might stand. What's, what's the purpose of God? To save those whom he has predestined and foreknew. So that the purpose of God according to election might stand, not of works, but of him, but of God who calls. It is said of her, the older shall serve the younger, as it is written, Jacob I have loved, but Esau I have hated. Now, we'll get to that in weeks to come. But God's predestined purpose will stand. What can thwart the hand of God? What can thwart His purposes? Nothing. Nothing. Because He is God. Isaiah 46, verses 9 through 11. Remember the former things of old, for I am God, and there is no other I am God, and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times, things that are not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand. I will do all my pleasure, calling a bird of prey from the east, the man who executes my counsel from a far country. Indeed, I have spoken it. I will bring it to pass. I have purposed it. I will also do it. Well, God accomplished all that he has purposed. Yes. Yes. Nothing, no power, there is no power that can come against him and change his purposes. All that God has purposed, he will bring it to pass. I will also do it, says God. So God is the key. In the midst of this, in in everything we're going to be talking about, God is the key in all of this that that we'll be looking at over the next several weeks. So let's take some time today to see what the Bible says about this call or this calling. There there are two different kinds of calling referred to in the Bible. And throughout the years, I've kind of talked about these. One kind of calling is 
I'm going to put it this way, is external, it's general, and universal. It's an open invitation to all persons to repent of sin, turn to the Lord Jesus Christ, and be saved. It's the general call that goes out to all the world, to everyone. And, and it seems uh, someone made a reference, I, I forgot this, who, who I got this from, but, but they likened it to what Jesus said in Matthew 11, verse 28, where Jesus says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And then he said in John 7, verse 37, On the last day, the great day of the feast, so it seems that there would have been a multitude of varying different people here, correct? And Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. A general call. And this is from Jesus. So Jesus making that universal call. When I preach, when anyone stands in a pulpit to preach, we make a general call, a universal call to all who may hear, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Confess that Jesus is Lord. Cry out to God, confessing your sins by grace through faith. Believe and receive Jesus Christ. An invitation that goes out, but for the hearers, if left to themselves, will sinful mankind respond and be saved? If left to themselves. No. No. Not from my call. Not from my proclamation. Solely of themselves. They hear the call, the, the general call, and they turn away. Because they love darkness more than light. Scripture tells that. That they, they will turn away. They prefer their sin and darkness rather than the light of Christ. Jesus said this in John 6, verse 44. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up at the last day. Unless the Father draws him. This is the second kind of call. The call of God by the Spirit according to the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And, and we could say this is, this is the inward call, uh, a holy call, a divine call, an effectual call. And this call only comes from God and God alone. This inward call of God is the voice of the Holy Spirit within the heart of those whom God has chosen unto himself before the foundation of the world. Those he foreknew, those he has predestined. It is the voice that speaks with the power to wake the dead, to bring life to those who are dead in their trespasses and sins. This is the voice of God. Only he can do this. I proclaim the gospel. That's all I can do. And, and I must leave everything else into God's hand. As best I can be faithful to speak the truth of God's word and then pray that God would have mercy in the midst of his truth. 1 Corinthians 1 verses 22 through 24. For Jews request a sign the Greeks seek after wisdom. And here's what Paul says. But we preach Christ 
crucified. Well, they're, they're preaching the message. They're preaching the gospel. It's the call is going out. So all's going to flock to this call, right? Huh. Now look, to the Jews a stumbling block and to the Greeks foolishness. But to those who are called, called by God, called by God, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. 1 Corinthians 1.18 because we just, just read to the, to the uh, Jews a stumbling block and to the Greeks foolishness. And we talk of this uh, quite often and bring up this verse. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, to the lost. It's foolishness. And that's all it can be until God calls. Do, do we understand that? Don't be surprised when you try to witness to someone about saving grace. Don't be surprised when you're talking to them about the Lord and for them turning to their sin and they just look at you like you're crazy and, well, I don't believe in that junk and say all manner of things. Don't be surprised by that because that's all they can do until God calls. Do you understand that? For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it's the power of God. The power of God and the wisdom of God. The power of God unto salvation. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 9. And again, I'm, I'm just pulling this one verse out of there. 2 Timothy 1, 9 who has saved us and called us with a, now here it's saying holy calling, and I think that's probably a good thing to say, a holy calling which only comes from God. He has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own, what, purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus when? What's it say? Before time began. Can you fathom that? We, we can't fathom that. We, 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 we can't know the mind of God. We, we can't know all of this, but we trust it because His Word says it. And it has to be true because God is not a liar, nor can He be who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to His own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. Called with a holy calling, and we came to spiritual life. <laughs> Is there a greater illustration in the Word of God than Lazarus? We know the story. Jesus was on his way, but Lazarus died. Well, if he'd have been here, he wouldn't have died. But Jesus knew what he was doing. And he made sure he waited. Here I'm saying that. It seems he made sure he waited long enough so that when they got there, there would be no doubt. Oh, oh no, don't, don't, don't open that. Don't open that. No, by now, oh, no, we don't want to open that. 
He had been dead for four days. But Jesus was right on time. Right on time. And what a wonderful illustration. Because here, imagine this. Here, let, let me just kind of paint a little picture. Is that okay? Let's say that Mary and Martha, let, let's say that friends and, and people in their, in their community, in their village, would just went and, and they were standing there and there's Lazarus' tomb and it's sealed off and, and they're there and, and they start yelling at Lazarus. Lazarus, come on. Man, we, we miss you, Lazarus. Come, come back to us, Lazarus. Come, come be with us again. Is anything going to happen? No. 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 But what happens? <laughs> when Jesus stands before that tomb and says, Lazarus, come forth, what happens then? He's coming out, grave clothes peeling off and brought to life. The tomb flamed with light. He rose, went forth, and followed Christ. That's that's the picture. All of us, all of us, maybe some still are, but all of us at least were, once in that tomb, dead in trespasses and sins. And dead men cannot respond. They can't. Only with a holy call. Only by a divine call of God can they respond. So Jesus came and He called And this wasn't a mere invitation. Do do we understand that? Because it's kind of like when I make a gospel call, it's like I'm giving an invitation. Come, come. But when God calls, it's not just a mere invitation. It's a, you've probably heard this, it's an effectual call. When God calls, we respond. We respond. For the same God who originally called creation out of nothing is now calling life out of death, and his call was heard. Lazarus, though he'd been dead four days, hears Jesus and obeys his master's voice. And this is how God calls those whom he has foreknown and predestined to salvation. In time, this has been established before the foundation of the world, but it's not known to us until God allows it to be known to us because we're living in time and God is outside of time. And so there will come a time for those who have been predestined, those who God has foreknown, that all this will become real. The gospel of Jesus Christ becomes real and they recognize that it's real because God has called them. 2 Thessalonians 2, verses 13 and 14. Paul said, But we are bound to give thanks to God always for you, brethren, beloved by the Lord, because God from the beginning chose you for salvation through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth, to which He called you by our gospel. 
for the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. There we have that divine call. He called. God called. And what did he use? He used the preaching of Paul and the apostles. That they're out making the general universal call. And when I preach, I call all to believe the gospel as true. I, I call all to believe, repent, and confess Jesus is Lord. But this is the general call. But God's call is specific. It is miraculous. And it brings life to that which was dead. Preacher's call offers eternal life. It offers. God's call brings to life that which was dead and gives eternal life in Christ. The preacher's call is a call that offers hope. God's call creates hope. A blessed eternal hope. You know, the preacher's call is a command to love God. Now listen, God's call grants what it commands. I think that's a good phrasing. God's call grants what it commands. God's call brings to life what God himself commands. When God calls, we love him. And we love him because he first loved us loved us God's call brings to life what God himself commands let's go back and read uh, Romans 8 28 through 30 one more time and we know that all things work together for good to those who love God to those who are the called according to his purpose for whom he foreknew he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son that he might be the firstborn among many brethren Moreover, whom he predestined, these he also called. Whom he called, these he also justified. Whom he justified, these he also glorified. You see, verses 29 and 30 give us the reason and certainty that we can know that all things work together for good. This we know. We know. Because whom he foreknew... He also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son. Moreover, whom he predestined, these he also called. Whom he called, these he also justified. And whom he justified, he also glorified. True? Yes. God cannot lie. This is true. Every promise God will perform. All of this was written to us to give us a reason for why all these things work together for good to the called. Paul says we can be sure all things work for good for the called because the called have been predestined for this. And we will get into this deeper in another sermon. We have been, child of God, we have been predestined for this God predestined it it is God's purpose and it is planned and so since we know that we know we can know we can have assurance that all things will work together for good even though they may seem and actually be some pretty rough and bad things but we can know 
that he will work them together for good. We can be sure. Specifically, Paul says, we have been predestined to be like Jesus, to be conformed to the image, the likeness of Christ. In other words, predestination stands behind your call and makes it sure what God predestines happens. Happens. All the called are justified and all the justified are glorified. When God predestines something to happen, it happens. And so we rest in what we know. This we know. God brings it to pass. I want to read just a little quote from Piper, John Piper. He put it this way. God's call comes through the gospel and makes dead, hostile hearts alive so that they hear the gospel of Christ crucified and risen as irresistibly true and beautiful. That's Piper's wording. I like that. And he goes on. All things work together for good for you if this has happened to you. Has this happened to you? If it has, then all things are working together for good. Bank on it. And nothing can stop everything from working for good for you because just as God took the initiative to call you omnipotently to himself from the dead so that you love him, so he will take the initiative to keep you spiritually alive and finally glorified in the presence of Christ. Everything will work for you to get you there, end quote. If he has called you, he, is, he who has begun a good work in you, in me, he will complete it. He will complete it. Perseverance of the saints. God who calls us and saves us will also keep us. Well, what if I, what if I stumble? What if I, well, you're going to stumble. You're going to. But he is faithful and, and just and faithful and true. That when we, when we sin and, and then repent, He is faithful to forgive us our sins and, and we keep going. Is, is there ever a time when the true born-again believer, child of God, is never not a child of God? No. Once a child, always a child. Well, that's, that's uh, uh, once saved, always saved. Well, call it what you want to, but it's the Word of God. What can snatch us out of his hand? Nothing. Nothing. If you're truly saved, you know, if someone completely falls away, what does that mean? While still on this earth. They went out from us because they were not of us. Because if they would have been of us, they would have remained. So they had a false confession or a false profession. It wasn't an answer to the call of God, it was perhaps an answer to the call of men. See, there's, there's the problem. The heartfelt call of men to get a response apart from the call of God. There is the great danger. There's the great danger. Oh, don't you want to be saved? Oh, don't you want to go to heaven? Oh, you don't want to go to hell? Come, come and... And if God is not the one calling, any profession they make is what? 
false. Is it going to get them to heaven? No. There's only one way through Christ and only as the Father, what did Jesus say, draws them. Only the divine, holy call of God. He will keep us. He will keep us. Anytime I talk about that, He will keep us. I'm always reminded of 1 Peter, 1 chapter. We're going to go and read it. I think it's been a little while since I've read it. Let's remind ourselves of that saving, keeping power. 1 Peter 1, verses 3 through 9. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God through faith, for salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Oh, well, wait a minute, what? It's going to be revealed later? Oh, you're, you're, by the divine holy call, you are saved and a child of God here, but oh, we're still waiting for glorification. We're, we're still waiting for the final uh, graduation, or ever how you'd want to say that, to be with Christ, to be with the Lord. Verse 6, in this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials. Oh, but I don't like trials. But we know that God will work all things together for good. See, put these together. Put the teachings of Peter, put the teachings of Paul together from the Word of God, and you rest in these promises. We can greatly rejoice, even in the midst of a trial. Doesn't mean we have to be happy for the trial. Doesn't mean we have to be happy for the pain or the suffering that we may go on through. It's not saying that, but it's we can rejoice in knowing that we are God's and that we have been called with a holy calling and we know that He will work all things together for good. You, you see how important it is to rest on that promise. And if need be, if you've if you have been grieved by various trials, why would we be grieved by trials? Why would God allow that? Why James tell us why? Well, we've been going through that, but here it is in Peter, verse 7, that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And having not seen you love, how can we love God? Because He first loved us. Because He called us with a holy calling. That's how. Apart from that, can we love God? No. No one can apart from that. Though now you do not see Him, yet believing, you rejoice with joy inexpressible, joy unspeakable and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls, saving, keeping power. For those who have been called, called of God. How about Jude, verse 1? Jude, a bondservant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, to those who are called, called of God. For those who are called, sanctified by God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ. You see, there's, there's what the, the holy call does. <laughs> that sums it up pretty good, doesn't it? That, that, that holy call does this. It sanctifies us and preserves us, keeps us. 
1 Corinthians 1, verses 4 through 9. I thank my God always concerning you for the grace of God which was given to you by Christ Jesus, that you were enriched in everything by Him in all utterance and all knowledge, even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you, so that you come short of no gift, eagerly waiting for the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will also confirm you to the end, to the end, because He is the one keeping us. The true child of God will persevere to the end, not because of our own strength, but because of Him who calls. Eagerly waiting for the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will also confirm you to the end, that you may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ, God is faithful, by whom you were called into the fellowship of His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Those who God calls with a holy, divine calling and have become joint heirs with Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ being a kind of a firstborn of all those who would follow. 1 Thessalonians 5, 23 and 24. Seemed like we already read that. If I did, we're going to read it again because this is good. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful, who also will do it. That's an echo from Isaiah. That, that's what it was. That's, that's an echo from Isaiah that we read earlier. God will do all that He purposes. Amen? God will call all those He foreknew and has predestined. Amen? And His call will be an effectual and fervent call. Irresistible. Now, there may be some, perhaps some resistance at first as a person is trying to come to grips with all this. But ultimately, no one can thwart the purposes of God, and He has purposed this. You, do you see? He has purposed this for all who believe. Can, can, let's read Romans 8, verses 28 through 30 one more time. We're going we're to read this over and over and over, and, and I pray all this just sinks in so deep. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to His purpose, for whom... See, here's the reason why. We can know. For whom He foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son, that... He might be the firstborn, that's Jesus, that Jesus might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he predestined, these he also called. Whom he called, these he also justified. And whom he justified, these he also glorified. The foundation of this all is God. Is God. Will we make a response? Yes. Yes. We make a response to the call of God. Every one of us has... Who, who are born again, we have believed and we have confessed and we have proclaimed Jesus as Lord. We, we did those things, but 
We can only do those things because He first loved us and He called us with a divine, effectual call. Because apart from that, the message of the cross is nothing but foolishness to those who are yet in darkness. For all who believe. There's the question again. Do do you believe? I make this gospel call perhaps almost every Sunday. But that's, that's what I believe I'm supposed to do. And, and I know that even as I make this call, this universal call, that I must leave it in God's hands to when He may and will make a divine holy call. And I know this, that when He does, all the truth that has been heard through the years becomes real. And they recognize it as truth. And they see themselves as a sinner before a most holy God. As all this has been brought to light by the divine holy call. John three fourteen through 16. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. May we all know how much God loves the world. May we all know that. For God so loved the world. And and, and this love was of such intensity and of such a magnitude that it moved God to give His Son to send His own Son to die so that whoever believes should not perish but have everlasting life. John 5 verse 24. Most assuredly I say to you, he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life. How could Jesus make such a statement? Because he knows. He knows that that those who hear and believe have received a holy call. Because you can't believe it unless God opens your eyes, opens you up spiritually to believe. He who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into judgment but has passed from death into life. John six forty seven. Most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me has everlasting life. Has God called you with such a call that all of this is real? That you could say, I, I, I know that. I know that's true. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to the, His purpose. We're going to close with this that we perhaps close with almost every Sunday. Romans 10, verses 9 through 13. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. Saved from what? Scotty let us know this morning. Of, of eternal torment. Of, of, of the lake of fire. Of, 
of hell. That, that's what you'd be saved from, saved from the wrath of God. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the Scripture says, Whoever believes on him will not be put to shame, for there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. See, God calls us so that we in turn might call upon him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we give thanks for your word, and, and I pray that in the midst of my rambling, Lord, that, that you have brought clarity to the parts that you want to make clear in, in the people's hearts and minds. I pray, Father, that in your timing and in your way, Lord, that you would open eyes, that you would bring life into that which is dead, that you would call them to yourself, that you would draw them to yourself through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Father, I pray that you would grant faith that they might believe. I, I pray that as they would cry out to you and confessing sins, that you would grant them repentance. And, and I pray, Lord, that you would help them as they would receive Christ as Lord. And Lord, we know from your precious promises that you will Never leave us nor forsake us that you will go with us to the end to everyone who truly believes. So, Father, help, help those who are born again to realize what you have done for us, to, that we would recognize from our vantage point now and looking back that it was all you. It was all you. Lord, we, we didn't know it at the moment, but... But now, after years later and in studying your word, I look back and from the very moment, it was all you. And help us to rejoice in knowing because it's you that it is steadfast and sure. And that we can know without a shadow of a doubt that you're going to work all things together for good for us who are in Christ. So help us to stand steadfast. Help us to live for you and shine the light of Christ. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen.